welcome to episode number 14 of On the Brighter Side. Today I have such a special treat for you guys. My guest today is the ABC News Chief Meteorologist. She covers the nation's weather on Good Morning America every morning as well as all of ABC News broadcast and digital platforms. She also hosts an ABC News digital series called Food Forecast which focuses on climate and its impact on agriculture. She lives in New York City with her husband Ben who is the co-host of the hit show Pickler and Ben. As the mother of two darling boys, Adrian and Miles, she recently wrote a book, Natural Disaster, I Cover Them and I Am One, in which she opens up about her crippling battle with depression. More recently, she has written a children's book called Chasing Helicity, which was released last week. Please help me welcome to the podcast today, Ginger Z of Good Morning America and ABC News. Hi, Ginger. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. First of all, how are you feeling and how is adjusting to life as the mother of two darling little boys? I am feeling well, thank you. I'm just starting to feel like a human again. I think a lot of times after we have a baby, we don't even realize how big of a physical and emotional change it was. So I'm starting to, starting to feel like myself. And yeah, with the boys, oh my goodness. It's, it's as if we've always had Miles. He fits in perfectly with the family. You know, there's He's a baby, so there's challenges, but especially I think the one that everybody can relate to, but I don't know that I was even ready for, was the the, the, the older brother jealousy. So every time I'm feeding Miles, Adrian needs to be on top of me. He needs to be in my lap. He's suddenly very interested in breastfeeding, and I keep, he keeps saying, I want a booby. Um, so uh, that's, you know, normal, I've heard, but yeah. something that we're still still dealing with the growth process. That's uh, that's so fun. That's so sweet that you get to spend that time at home with those boys. So you are the chief meteorologist for ABC, and you appear on Good Morning America every day, and you were, are, were the first female to be the chief meteorologist for a major network. Tell me, how did you know you wanted to report the weather on TV, and what what was it that first got you so interested in the weather? Well, the TV part came a lot later. So I grew up um, in Michigan and had one summer spent a cottage, or spent the entire summer at a cottage on Lake Michigan. And for anybody that hasn't been to Lake Michigan, it is huge. Um, it looks like the ocean. You can't see the other side. You you know you see forever. And so when we would watch thunderstorms come across, I became very interested in the power of those thunderstorms and the energy and the science that went behind the making of those thunderstorms. Um, I also, when I was in high school and I was like, wow, I've, I've always kind of loved the atmosphere. Uh, the movie Twister came out and Helen Hunt's character where she was a storm chaser and a researcher out in the field, that was so attractive to me. And that was something that I said, that's what I want to go to college for. And then finally we had a big derecho, which is just a huge windstorm that came through West Michigan uh, when I was a junior in high school. And that kind of sealed the deal on my interest in storms. Um, so I knew I wanted to study meteorology. I chose a college, Valparaiso University, that had a storm chasing degree or, you know, classes called storm chasing where you actually got three credits to go and chase tornadoes. Uh, and I knew that's the type of school I needed to be at. So great choice in going to Valpo. And then when I was there, I had a professor who said, I know you love Helen Hunt and all, but why don't you think about doing the weather on television and instead of just, because there's a lot of private ways to do meteorology and forecasting. And that's what I had intended to do. So he said, try an internship, see what you think. 
and I did an internship um, in Alabama with a guy named James Spann, and that's when I fell in love with the communication of science. And that's what I've been doing ever since. That's so cool. So of all the people that you have worked with at ABC, who do you look up to the most, and what have they taught you? I would say Robin Roberts, no question. Um, she has been doing this for so long, and she does it with the most grace and generosity that anybody does. Uh, she, she's so talented, but she shares those talents on a personal and a public level with everybody. And I love the way that she goes about her life. I mean, from her personal life and her struggles and things that I've learned from her there to what she does on a daily basis and how she's able to interact. And she's so good at observing and taking in what other people and are feeling and then using that to educate and to, to make us all better. So she's the ultimate broadcaster. That's amazing. I really like her too. When, when I got to visit ABC studios, she is always out there and talking to everybody and so generous and kind to, to take pictures with everybody. I just think that's really amazing of her. So what has been the most defining moment of your life? The most defining moment. I really, I think there's so many, but I, I do think that motherhood is the one that I, it, it's obviously very fresh in my mind, but becoming a mother made me a better person. Um, I know that a majority of the population gets the chance to be parents, but I still think it's the coolest thing I've ever done. It's the most amazing production I've put together, and I'm so proud of being a mom. It, it's the first time that I've actually learned to live in the moment. It's the first time that I've learned to be grateful for that moment and being a mom makes that all possible. I love that. And so for our listeners, how do you balance being a wife, a mother, working full time for a major network and doing side projects like Dancing with the Stars? How do you keep it all balanced? I don't know if I do. I think that's the best answer. I think that I don't actually is the is the answer because balance and maybe it is balanced, but I think it's more focused. And that's what I've learned becoming a mother, too. I think I used to procrastinate a lot. Now you don't have time to. If you need to get this, this, and this done, you need to be focused and be in that place. I also have learned to say, when I'm with my son, I'm with my son. I'm not going to be on email. I'm not going to be, I'm going to try not to think about work. It's kind of meditative to focus on the actual task that you're in. It's, it's the antithesis of what most of our brains want to do. They want to be scattered and be all over the place, which is okay. And you can have those moments. And I don't, you know, I am not going to tell you I'm perfect and don't have that. But I've gotten much better at allowing myself to be focused on the one thing that I'm doing. And then I move on to the next thing. And I'm able to say, all right, that was me being a really great mom for that moment. Now I'm, I'm going to be a really great writer and spend time writing my book. And now I'm going to go be a really great meteorologist and spend time at work. And that's how I do it is, is focus. And then I, the, the best answer, too, is I just give myself grace. When I do have a day or an hour or whatever it is that doesn't go well and I feel like I've been all over the place, I'd say, that's okay. Accept it. Move on. And that has helped propel me in the best ways. Yeah, that's great. And I think when you talk about being present, that is definitely a skill that requires practice. That's not something that comes mm -hmm. naturally. So I love in your book how you talk about people who send you negative criticism and haters mm -hmm. out there. How did you develop yeah. a thick skin and how do you look past any negativity that might come your way and keep on doing amazing things in your work and in your personal life? Yeah, I think the 
I do have the thickest skin that I've ever had. Um, I wasn't always this easily easy to um, attack, and then I feel great. Uh, but I am at that place right now, and I think what happened was I finally learned, and it's not just for online, as I call them, MVs or mean viewers or attackers online. It's for everybody in your life. Um, I learned that I had, it's not just the thick skin, but it's an actual fence. I physically, in my head, I guess not physically, but I mentally put up a fence when I start to feel someone attacking me or being negative, and I don't want their negativity to come into my feelings. So I put up the fence. So if somebody comes at me online, they say, you look a hot mess today. This is like a real email that I received. Um, you need a stylist. You need to do this. You need to do that. I'm able to immediately realize that's not that's not the those feelings are in that person has nothing to do with the reality is on my side of the fence. So I can tell them I hear you. I I think that you know I understand you have an opinion. I respect that. I don't agree with it, but here we are. You know this is part of life. It is. It is their right to be able to share whatever they'd like. And unfortunately, the internet does give people a lot of things they shouldn't, you know, they feel very confident in being anonymous, which is a sad part of life. But that's even more reason why you should not take what people say onto your side of the fence. So that's where my skin has gotten a lot thicker. And then on top of it, I always say to people, I use my fans, and we all have fans. We all have parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, people who support us. If I'm really, if something really does bother me, recently I had one that somebody said something about my my time that I'm spending on my maternity leave, and they said, "Well, you're not spending with your children if you're at the gym." Oh. And it, it, I know I put up my fence. I was able to say to myself, "That's not true. That's you know, you're just it's it's 45 minutes. What are they? You know, they don't know what your life entails." I said all that to myself, but it still kind of got me where I I was questioning for a moment. Well, am I am I going to the gym? Am I being selfish? And I said to my husband, you know, this this person said this, and right away he's like, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> you know, the the your fans are able to support you and put you into perspective and tell you that you are the best, and that so utilizing them to help support you, and then finally, and this is what has made me the strongest is now I like to empower those people. Instead of just telling them I hear them, I like to say, I hear you and I want to help you. Because a lot of times when they are attacking you, something's wrong in their life. And so I've gone to this next level that I think is, is what the ultimate human interaction is supposed to be. And that's, I hear you, I don't agree with you, I respect your opinion, but I'd like to help you because it seems like you're hurt. Hurt people hurt people, and I, I don't want you to be hurt anymore. I don't. Even though you're a stranger on the Internet, let me help you. And you might be able to help somebody in that circumstance. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I personally love your workout videos. I think they're super inspiring, so <laughs> keep that up. Thank um, you. If you could ensure that your boys grew up knowing one thing about their mom and what she stands for, what would it be? I think that the golden rule is the most important. My mom used to say it. She said it before I left for kindergarten, and I'll never forget. It's one of my first memories, and that's just treating others like you want to be treated. I think that it's, it is such a simple, easy way to be, but it's, it, it sometimes isn't. You know, we all have – it's inherent in us to judge and to kind of do the opposite of what we were just talking about, feel bad about ourselves and then put it on other people. I think just realizing that we're all in this together, that – it's a lot nicer to just be sunny and and kind and pleasant with others because that's how you want to feel 
from other people as well. That's the way we should all live, and it will just make the world better. So I'm hoping that my sons can take that from their grandma. Yeah. And what advice would you give to any little girl out there who aspires to do something amazing, like being the first female to become a chief meteorologist for a major network? Yeah, I think it's, this is really easy, and but it isn't because people always avoid what they're good at. But take what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and make it your job. And don't be afraid of it. A lot of people will do what they think they're supposed to, what they think will make the most money for them, what they think that other people want them to do. And then at the end of, you know, they're in their 50s and they turn around and they're like, you know, I would have really always wanted to do this. I can't tell you the number of people that come up to me and say, you know, I used to love weather too and I just never did anything about it. And that always amazes me because it's like, well, why didn't you? <laughs> it should be. And I was, I was lucky to have the support around me where I said, I love weather. My mom said, then do weather. You know, that, doing that for each other and supporting our own passions and um, loves of our life, making it our career, will make everyone in a better place. Yeah. Well, I loved your book, Natural Disasters. I cover them and I am one. I read it cover to cover in like a matter of a day. But mm -hmm. I love how candid and real you are as you talk about your experiences battling depression. So what would you tell someone who is facing a similar struggle? I think depression presents itself differently in a lot of people, so I never want to say that this is a blanket cure for everyone, but for me, and I think for most depression, being honest is the number one thing, um, and it's not just honesty with others, it's honesty with yourself. I often ran away from the issues or the problems that had happened in my life. I pretended they didn't happen. I would say that all the time. Well, that didn't happen. I would just block it, and that's not a way to live. You have to be responsible for the things that you've done. You have to seek help when you need help. Say it out loud because people need to hear, I'm in this bad place. Otherwise, nobody can be there to support you. So that honesty with yourself and with others is the number one thing that's going to help you get there. And I just hope that it was such, it should have been simple, but that was the hardest thing was to say it out loud and to get over the, you know, the, the moment of actually thinking I didn't need help. I did. I needed a lot of help. And then when I got it, I got better. It's that simple. It's a, it's a disease like any other. And when, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't walk around on it saying, oh, I don't want to tell anybody I broke my leg. You would go and get help because you broke your leg. And I think the stigma that comes with mental health challenges often, and sometimes the mental health challenge itself prevents us from doing that because it just won't even allow us. But if you do have that clarity moment, you've got to go get help because that's the only way to get better. Yeah, and I think it's so great that people who who are in such public, in the public eye like you are bringing it about and talking about their experiences so people understand that they're not alone, that it's really common, you know, to have these experiences at some point in your life we're all gonna struggle with some big demon and so it's really nice yep. to know that you're not alone that you're not crazy you're not weird that it's just mm -hmm. something that needs to be handled really can you can get help there is help available yeah so what was the most helpful thing someone did for you when you were having a hard time or how can someone support a friend who's struggling with something similar and the most important thing is to be there and be ready um, to have the plan together. My 
my mom and my cousin when I was in that bad place. I had we had talked about it before, and this the time that I called them, I said I I think I'm I'm really ready to get help this time. And they went and they looked it up for me. They looked up the hospital. They knew which doctors. They knew where to go. They took me there. They followed through. So it's the action on top of the listening. You know, it's it's making that help happen. That's the most important thing to have from your family and friends. And I know I was telling you before. For me, when I'm really struggling, when I'm having a hard time and in, in, in that bad place, it's hard for me to explain to anyone what I'm going through or or what they can do to help me. But when I'm healthy, I can kind of come up with a plan and then let people that are close to me know. You know, if I start to withdraw from social situations, if 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 these things, if you start hearing me say these things or worry about these things, then you know, here's what we need to do. Here's who we call. You know, if you can right. be there for me and help me with these things, it's much easier to make that plan when I'm healthy than when I'm not. So you talk in your book about some of the troubled relationships you were in before meeting your husband. So I wonder, how did you know that your husband was different and that you wanted to be with him forever? He was different because he loved me wholly, um, and he was easy. I always say that when people ask me, oh, well, how do you know, or how, how did it it should never be difficult. You should hear from the person how they feel. There should be no games. There should be no questions. It should be really easy. And what many of us do is we're afraid of that. We like challenges. We like drama. We've had that as a habit before in our life. But now you got to get past that and realize that there's going to be challenges in life. There are going to be plenty of things that get thrown at the both of you together. That partnership should be the easy part. And it should never, ever, ever be difficult. If you can get there and, and be in that place, boy, you're going to have a, a much a better head start than I did. <laughs> and so did the two of you ever talk about your depression before you decided to get married and how it could potentially affect your marriage or your children someday? We did. We had one, we always call it like the, the, the big night when we sat and, and talked about everything. I mean, we told all of our secrets. He knows much more because that book that I wrote is, is a lot of it, but it is way watered down from what really happened. And I wanted him to know everything. Of course, you, you don't need to know details. Like, I mean, it's not everything, everything like the stuff that you don't need to know about each other, but the important things, and especially things that might affect our children or might affect our relationship going forward. And for me, depression was a big one. And so when I was going to have Adrian, we talked a lot about what if I get postpartum because I'm probably more prone to it. And we talked about how, what would he see and how would it present itself. And I didn't really know if, if I would get it. I didn't really know if I, what it would look like because it might look different than the depression I'd had in the past. But at least our antennas were up and we were ready. And we have those things for him too. But I know that there are certain things he's had in his life that I have to look out for. And I, we talked about my eating disorder, which is something that will never go away. It is never going to rid, you know, get, leave my body and my mind. But it's something that he's able to, when, when we talked, we talked at length about how it helps me, certain things help me to have people say, and other things that hurt me when, you know, constantly putting it as if it's not a big deal. And if I say I'm having these feelings and I'm feeling, even though it's not true, feeling overweight or I feel this, I can't have someone, it's never worked for me to have them say, oh, you look great, don't, don't worry about it. That doesn't help me. That actually can propel me into a worse place. So we talked a lot about that. How can we support each other and make sure that we're the best we can be? I 
love that. So what do you think has been the biggest trial or hurdle you've had to overcome either in your marriage, career, or in your personal life? The biggest hurdle is, is finally being honest with myself and, and finally putting myself into the inpatient hospital. I mean, going to the hospital for depression and for self-hate and wanting to hurt myself, that was a big hurdle. That was a big statement for, for me to say, I'm ready to go and actually get help because I don't want to die. That, I would say, can't, I hope, never get challenged because that was a big one. Yeah, I think it's so amazing and offers so much hope to people out there who you could make that step and make that statement like, hey, I need help. And you were able to get help and move forward. And now you have a great plan and a, you know, a great career and you kind of have it all. That's my next question, I guess. What is your advice to moms out there who want to have it all? I would say to them, first of all, you can have it all. You just have to make it all a realistic it all. Uh, and, and we all put kind of the, on a pedestal the thing that we think that we should all get to. And I did that for a long time. And my problem was I kept putting a date and a time on it. And I think that part you should let go. You know, you have to let it happen when it happens. It's not all going to happen when you're 28 years old. You're not going to meet the man of your dreams necessarily when you're 26. Whatever it is that you put in your head, that part you need to allow to just let life and and live it and enjoy it. In those moments, I I look back at some of those moments that I thought were so horrible and I was so lonely and I was never going to find someone to marry and I was never going to have children. If, if you would have told me six years ago that I was going to have two babies and have a great marriage, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> because, But I think that's something to always remember is that today might suck, but tomorrow doesn't have to. You know, you can, everything can change in both good and bad ways very quickly. What your life looks like right now could look completely different. And remembering that, and that kind of goes back to my final, what I always leave pretty much everything with now, is that the clouds that you're in right now, they don't last forever. They just can't. That's not how the atmosphere works. And that's why I've said this since I wrote the book, and I wrote that in the book, is that clouds can't last forever. We need to remember that. That's not how energy works, and it will change. So if you can keep that, even in the dark moments, keep that in your mind, I think that will help. I love that. So last final question. What do you, Ginger Z, do to unwind after a busy or stressful day? What's your number one relaxation trick for the moms out there who are busy, busy, busy? Yeah, I think mine's not unlike anybody else's. I think I I, I enjoy some, like, thoughtless television. <laughs> I love Teen Mom. <laughs> and I love, because my husband and I watch it together, so it's just like a, and he can rub my feet. I would have a glass of wine, and I would just, the end of it and what I've been doing more and more is doing kind of this gratefulness check. It's almost prayer like where I but it's not just wishes and hopes and dreams and all of those things and it's not just praying to God, but it's it's a reflection moment or a meditative moment on my day and what I've accomplished and like giving myself not just grace but also props. And I think that is really helpful. We do that for each other or we try to do that for each other, but we don't do it for ourselves enough. So that part helps not just unwind, but put me in a great place going forward. I love that. Great thoughts. Thank you, Ginger. This has been so much fun. You have been so gracious and I really appreciate your time. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Okay. Thank you.
wasn't that interview just great? I really can't even put into words how much respect I have for Ginger Z. I first became acquainted with her when she did Dancing with the Stars a couple years ago and she almost won. She was really amazing on that show and I just grew to love her. I started following her and then when she released this book called Natural Disasters, I grabbed it up and I was so just interested in her experience with depression and I was so grateful for how candid and real and raw and authentic she was in sharing that experience and it's so comforting to know that even someone as successful and as public as Ginger Z on TV in front of America every day. And if you watch her on Good Morning America, she is always smiling. That's one of my favorite things about her is she reports the weather, but she just looks like she is just right where she's supposed to be doing exactly what she loves, which is what she does every day. And she does it with a smile. And she has dealt with some really difficult things in her life and she shares them for everyone. And I think she shares them in order to to help others feel and understand that they are not alone, that depression really is very common. And one of the things I love is the cover of her book. She's sitting on the the edge of her couch and she's holding one high-heeled shoe and one flip-flop. And what I think is so funny about that is when I struggle with my own depression, my little bouts of depression that I have, periodically, that's one of the biggest things is I cannot make decisions. I cannot decide what to wear and just any type of choice or decision like what shoes to wear just throw me over the edge. And so I think that's such a great depiction. And again, she's smiling um, and I think offering to those of us who might be experiencing something similar, that there is hope, that there is help available, that if you will just go to somebody that you trust, anyone, and just ask them to help you find someone who can help you. There are some amazing therapists. There's some great inpatient treatment programs. There's some great medication out there and some new medical procedures that can really give you back some normalcy in your life. So it doesn't have to be forever. And in her closing thoughts, she talked about those clouds that that cannot stay. That's just not how the atmosphere works. And I just want to add my knowing to that. Everything always changes. It never stays the same. So no matter how bad you're feeling, no matter how long you think you've been feeling this way, there is hope and And it does change. If you read the scriptures, it says a million times in the scriptures, and it came to pass. It never does it say it came to stay because everything in life, you can be sure of this, will always change. And you can be happy and you can get back your life and find those things that bring you happiness and joy. And again, thank you to Ginger and her courage for sharing all of that, those intimate parts of her life with us. And we wish you the best and we'll continue to watch you on Good Morning America and in everything that you do. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with a friend. Let them know that it's here. That would really help me out. I would appreciate it so much. And until next week, your life on the brighter side and be kind to yourself and others and have a great week. (laughs) 